0: If you have your Bibles, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, we're going to start there. I'm going to read the first four verses. Uh, We'll pray, and then we'll get going. And I I just want to say this, and I've really been praying all morning. Um, A lot of what is talked about in here, I think if we uh, are really serious about the Bible, which I think as a church we are, if we're serious about applying this to our life, there's some tough things in here um, that speak into our life. And so, um, please don't hear me as these are my words, but this is the Bible. And I think I say this every week, I'm doing you a disfavor. If I twist this to be entertaining or pleasing or anything else, than what it is is the truth. And it has the, um, authority over our life. And so, um, I think I've, I've know that the stuff it talks about, I've fallen into myself. And so, um, my prayer this morning is just that, uh, we would hear this as the power over our life and not what culture says or what the world says or even what Connection Church says, but that this has final authority um, in our life. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, remember, Paul is writing. He's actually writing to the church in Corinth. So I say this a lot, but um, if you add I-A-N-S on the end of anything, it just makes it a people group. So the church was in Corinth, which is a city. Uh, the Corinthians were the people in the city. So you'd have like dublin e right? That would be to the people in Dublin, Right? Y'all are following me. So, Paul writes to these people. um, And to be honest with you, the church in Corinth was crazy. They had uh, literally prostitutes hanging outside their doors. They had all kinds of disorderly conduct going on in service when uh, they were trying to preach and worship. They had all kinds of stuff going on. And so, a lot of it is Paul trying to address issues and fix them, right? It's just like I tell all the time the reason we have speed limits is because y'all drive too fast, right? (laughs) Not me, y'all. I drive. I drive too fast myself a lot, so I probably should be convicted too. But um, right, so he, he addresses this stuff, that's in there because they were doing it wrong and he wants to correct them. So um, here we are and we'll apply this to our life and to our church and to who we are in world we'll roll. So first Corinthians chapter three, verse one, it says this brothers and sisters. He usually refers to them in a nice way as a brother or sister because he's ready to chop their legs out from under them and tell them something good, right? <laughs> so here we are. Brothers and sisters. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. He's using an analogy there. Um, I have an infant at home, meaning like uh, they're little. I can't address you as a full mature adult in Christ because you're still acting like an infant. Verse 2, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling which means issues, problems, among you, are you not worldly? He's saying one of the things he's getting at is for us to be mature in Christ, it means that we're one, we're unified, we're together. And if there's little issues running around going on in the church and outside the church, and better yet, between other churches in our community, that's all small issues that shouldn't be going on. He's saying that stuff is worldly. He says, are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, this is important, this is going to be very important, when one of you says, I follow Paul, one of you says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Now let me explain that before I pray. What he's saying is, is going on in the Corinth church, is they really have three teachers. They have Paul, they have Apollos, and they have Peter. And what's happened is is these people in the church have picked out their favorite preacher, their preferences, and they're starting to get disunified because they're more worried about who the preacher is and how the church is run than they are about worshiping Jesus. That's a big deal. This is a big issue um, in the church today, I feel like. So I'm excited about it, um, and I'm fired up. So let's pray together, and we'll uh, walk through some more of it. God, Lord, I just pray that your uh, spirit would be here and that it would um, open our minds and our hearts and, God, that your word would pierce us to the deepest places, Lord, that this wouldn't be um, just an empty gathering of people again on another Sunday morning, God, but that uh, your spirit would move so that we can experience the, the power um, that it has, God. Um, I, I pray that uh, no one leaves here condemned, Lord, my, myself included, God. We don't leave here um, not excited, Lord, but that uh, this would be um, a time of refreshing for us to get back to uh, what the church was called to, which was to love Jesus and further his love. Lord, and I pray that that would be the heart behind um, everything this morning. God, so we just love you um, so much, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, how many of you uh, enjoy going to uh, to sports events. I feel like I start off with that question every single week. Y'all are probably tired of it, but whatever. I, I like sports, so y'all better learn to listen about it, I guess. Um, that's selfish. I shouldn't say that. but um, So anyway, So uh, one of the things that happened in high school, I want to just get straight to it because I feel like I'm... <sighs> got a lot to say in a little bit of time. So one of the things that happened in high school was I, I played high school baseball. So uh, I, I pitched um, and I got to go on and play baseball after high school it was awesome, right? So um, I feel like God put me through a lot of this stuff to learn um, and teach me, to grow me um, into who he wants me to be in Christ. And so uh, one of the things I remember is uh, my senior year, we were uh, playing a really good team, White County. I went to score Coney Oconee County, which is uh, near Athens and we were playing a really good team um, White County, they had two guys that were signed with Georgia, uh, they, were, they were just really good uh, baseball team and so we're playing them, we're actually winning 4-2 to two, um, in the bottom of the 7th we're at home, uh, if you don't know much about baseball, in high school you play 7 innings It's 3 outs and then the inning's over um, and so we have to get 3 outs and then the inning's over and we go on well they get runners on 1st and 2nd um, our starting pitcher starts having trouble throwing strikes, he walks 2 guys in a row so uh, they bring in me to pitch. And I had pitched earlier in the week, but they wanted to bring me in to try to close the game because they were good and we really needed to win. Um, so they bring me in to pitch. There's runners on first and second, and there's one out. Well, there are two guys that are signed with Georgia are up to bat, the number three hitter and the number four hitter. They could both hit bombs, okay? Um, I learned that in just a few short minutes after uh, this. So um, the, the first one, the first one comes up and the, the, the pitching coach I had my senior year, I'd been pitching uh, with him on uh, at as a varsity pitching coach for four years, and so we trusted each other a lot. And so uh, he let me shake him off. If you don't know what that means, it means he would call a pitch, and he would let me say no, and I could throw what I wanted to throw. Now, he let me do this because he trusted me, but it oftentimes led to a lot of issues. So uh, the first batter comes up, and I want to start the guy off with a fastball because I'm prideful and I'm in high school, and I think I, just because I throw 90, I can throw it by the guy. Well, these guys are good. Just because you throw hard doesn't mean that they're going to uh, strike out. So um, I throw a fastball, guy's on it, he fouls it off, and I'm like, okay, maybe I don't need to do this. you know? So I throw... Um, a couple more off-speed pitches and end up getting him out. So now the number four hitters up. Now, not to mention during that at bat when I was shaking off my coach and saying no, I could hear him getting frustrated in the dugout because he's not far, and I'm sitting there kind of glancing over there every once in a while like, okay, coach, I um, need you to be quiet. I got to focus on the game, you know? I Whatever, regardless of what pitch I'm throwing, the goal is to win the game. And so we finally got two outs, first and second. Their number four hitter is up. And the the first pitch, he wants me to throw a slider. So for me, that was pitch number two. So um, the catcher holds down number two, so I'm going to throw a slider. And I'm like, I don't want to throw a slider. So I say no. So I'm going to throw a fastball. Throw a fastball, strike one, and I'm like, okay, same deal. He's on the fastball, but I got a strike. I'm ahead in the count. Well, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just start throwing off-speed pitches again because I'm not going to throw it by this guy. So I throw him two sliders in a row, and after the next one, he starts calling fastballs. And I'm like, I'm not throwing this guy another fastball. He's going to hit it out, and we're going to lose. So I start shaking him off, and then I step off the rubber and look at my coach, and he's like, okay. We, like, give each other this. All right, who's going to win? Are you going to throw what I want you to throw, or are you going to throw what you want to throw? And we kind of get in this little battle going on. And I can tell he's getting verbally frustrated. You know, he's like, come on, Dustin. And he's not saying it like encouraging, like get this guy out. He's saying like, you better listen to me. That type of, come on, Dustin. And so long story short, um, I end up finally doing what I wanted to do. um, And on a one-two count, I throw a slider and it hangs and the dude hits it about 450 feet. I don't know how far it was really. A long ways past the fence. They score three runs. Go ahead five to four and we lose. Bam, Dustin humbled, right? Now, I tell you all of that because I honestly feel like what happened in that moment, I honestly don't think the issue was what pitch I was throwing. I think the issue was, and the reason I ended up losing the game for us, um, so to speak, is because my focus went from what it should be on the game to something outside of the game that really didn't matter the coach. Now, the reason that happened is because my coach started doing things to me that were more attractive in my mind than what was at hand, the, the winning the game or the purpose at hand. I was more worried about what my coach thought about me than I was winning the game for my team. And so I say that because I really feel like if we relate this to the church, what we can do as a church is we can get separated from the main purpose of the church, which was to be the vehicle to take God's glory to the ends of the earth, and to make disciples of all nations—however you want to say it—that's the, the purpose of the church is to do that. Well, what happens is is we as a church get disunified, and we do things that get people's eyes off of the purpose of the church and on something else. So what happens is is we treat church people or non-church people like they're uh, consumers of our product. So we become more concerned with entertaining preaching or a good preacher or good music or cool people or um, good guest services or good kids stuff. We get so consumed with that that we forget the main purpose of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I say that, and I think this is the exact issue that Paul is dealing with here is that we can't come to church or we can't do life, or be connected to God, or, or whatever, however you want to say it, out of our bond with anything other than Jesus, or we'll read here in a second what's going to happen. What Paul says is it's like building a foundation on straw or wood, and when you light a fire under it, eventually the foundation goes, and it all crumbles. But if we build our foundation on the rock, which is what he talks about, that's why Peter's name was means uh, in Greek, it means rock, which is Cephas. So if you refer, see Peter refer to that, the reason they said that is because he, Peter was the rock in which the church was built. right? And so if you know much about uh, the Catholic church, that's why they believe in the Pope, is because they believe the Pope is a direct line from Peter and that their church is still built on Peter, so to speak. right? Obviously, there's been biological, but spiritually, that's what they believe. And so what happens is is they want to build their church on the rock, whereas a lot of times I feel like as a church we don't build on any type of surface that can withstand any type of heat, right? And what I mean by that is if we build a, a church or we build our life upon something that um, a simple wave or a simple little bit of heat can wipe it out, then we're going to be shallow. We're going to be empty. Does that make sense? And so uh, that's really what the, the blunt of what we'll see in this passage is talking about. So I want to read it so that you don't think I'm making this stuff up and talk through it. And then I've got uh, a couple things I want to pull out from it. I'm going to go through it rather quickly. So um, feel free to go back this week and read it more and and study it more. We'll pick up in verse five. We read the first four already. Remember, he said in verse four, some of y'all follow Apollo, some of y'all follow Paul, um, but we want to follow Jesus. Um, Verse five, it says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each his task. Think about this, this is what it's like. I remember in sports growing up when we were about to get killed by another team in football, you know what our coaches would say? Just they they wake up and put their pants on just like y'all do. You know? They're no different, you know, and that's what they would say. Like, yeah, now go yeah, that's a good analogy, and I'm like, did you watch Austin P yesterday? (laughs) Because obviously there's a big difference in physical. Strength there, right? I mean, I mean, you watch all the games, you know. So I'm thinking, okay, I I get your point. Now, here's the deal: the fact that we're all on a level playing field physically does not make sense because I look at some people and they're much bigger and stronger and smarter than me. Um, But on a spiritual sense, we are all on a level playing field, and that's what Paul's point is: is that look. You're all mere humans. You're all mere servants. Because I'm the pastor, I don't have a special connection with God. And I go sit in my closet, and he gives me some special words to say to y'all that are uh, pleasing to the ear, entertaining. Right? What I do is is I sit down and I pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach me what the Bible says. Y'all have the same ability to do that. Um, And so I feel like that's what he's saying is spiritually we're on the same playing field. We're all just mere servants. Verse 6. This is Paul And He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but check this out. But God has been making it grow. So if, if, after, no matter what we do, it's really God that does it all. Verse seven, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Verse eight, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers, meaning There's not a hierarchy of workers where uh, the person who's a teacher and uh, teaches kids for a living and that's how they get their paycheck um, is not co-working with the pastor. Like my work is higher than the pastor's or my work is more important than your work. No, the difference is my paycheck just comes from the church and yours comes from an outside source. And so my job is, my my eight to five job is to be faithful and work hard and diligently um, to pour into the church. Amen? And your job is eight to five to do your job excellently because Colossians 3.23 says that's what's going to glorify God is to do your job excellently. Um, and so there's no difference in coworkers; We're all co-working for the same purpose. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. This is Paul writing. So he laid a foundation as a wise builder. So what's a wise builder? And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only is one escaping through the flames. So let me put this in uh, maybe more simple words. He says, some people are going to build their house on straw. Y'all ever seen a house built on straw? No. You know why? Because it would get burned down or it would get swiped away, right, if, if the storm came. Same thing with wood. Now, some houses obviously now are built with wood, but what he's saying is if a fire comes... It's your, your works, your life is going to be tested like fire, test, whatever the foundation is. And so if you light a fire under a foundation of wood or straw, it's going to burn eventually and be wiped out. And he says, this is basically an analogy for how God is going to test us and what we've done for Christ. He says, are you building upon the foundation of Jesus, which is solid and not movable? Or are you building a foundation on something that doesn't really make sense? something that's going to be wiped away, something that would be burned in flames. Verse 16 These 17, those last two verses, this is a good point. He kind of switches gears, which I think is, is uh, important. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. And so there's, Three things I want to pull from this passage, this idea, if you're taking notes or whatever, I may not be smart enough to make you want to do that, but there's three big ideas I really want to talk about, um, and the last one's the most important, so I'm going to hurry and try to get there, but the first one is this, is we don't follow humans or churches, we follow Jesus. Um, think about this. I think the reason Paul was obsessed with them not following Paul and following Jesus Is because Paul could be stripped from that church, and if they're following Paul and Paul is taken away, then now they have nothing, right? So think about this with me. He says the same thing for Apollos. We're all mere humans. We all can screw up and be taken. Now, before I get going too much, let me say this. I think this passage as a church, for us as a church and with everything in mind, applies very well to what this church has gone through lately, right? And And I thought about addressing this and not addressing this, but I feel like I don't think this is by mere coincidence that this happens, right? Listen, Buck is one of my best friends. Like, I went to lunch with him on Friday or Thursday. Like, I still love him and hang out with him. He was the pastor here before, if you don't know that. But what Buck would even tell you is if you build a church on him, you built it on something that can be taken, if you build the church on me, the church is eventually going to collapse because we're building it on something that can be taken. If you come here and you build your relationship with God and chase feelings by you get from a good band, eventually a good band can be taken and you'll have no connection with God. And so what I believe is that it's easy as a church for us to make people want to follow people or churches or what the church offers rather than what the church was created for, which was to worship Jesus. And so I think if we are serious about this, this is a, is a very important idea for us to apply for the future of the church in general. Um, one of the ways I was thinking about this, and it has worked out in my life, is I share this a lot, but um, I share it because it's close to me and I think the most important disciples in my life right now is my family, my wife and my my kids. And if I ignore that, then how am I supposed to be responsible for pouring into others? Um, And so uh, we adopted a boy named Cruz, um, Hispanic um, boy a uh, a couple years ago. Um, And when we got him, one of the first things I wanted to teach him was don't follow me, follow Christ. Now you think, Dustin, I mean, he had a long ways to come. Why would you not just teach him what you do? And this is why I wouldn't teach him just what I do or just follow another person is because eventually I'm gonna be taken out of his life. Eventually he's gonna go out on his own. And the foundation that we have laid, if it is me and I'm taken away, he's gonna be wiped away by anything that comes. I honestly believe, church, this is why when kids go out to college, there's like a 75% chance they're gonna leave the faith for a short period of time. You know why? Because the foundation we have built them on is purely out of our personal reputation and them not doing anything bad because it makes us look bad as parents. It's not really about them following Jesus. And so what happens is if I teach Cruz to follow Jesus, I can be taken away. Rachel can be taken away. Um, His biological family can be taken away. His preachers here can be taken away. If he's founded on Christ and the word of God, that's never gonna leave him. And so I believe in the same way as a church. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you come here to hear a good preacher, you come here to hear good music, I honestly pray First of all, I pray that God would change your heart and he would lighten you to the gospel and the love that Christ has shown you so that you will eventually start coming for him. But the worst thing that can happen is we just become like every other religious organization that puts on something good and people come and we attract people because of um, entertainment purposes. Because the preacher's good or he's real or he doesn't act like he has it all together or the band's really good and they have good music. Listen, strip all that away and what do we have? And I mean that. Amen. If we don't, if, if we're here for anything other than Jesus Christ, I pray that he changes our hearts or I pray that he doesn't grow our church until our church is founded on Jesus and the word of God so that it'll grow. Amen. Because all that's going to happen is it's going to become a snowball effect of unhealthy growth. And what happens is, is now we have, say, 40 people um, purely worshiping Jesus and, and purely cared about the mission of God. Well, what happens is we get 600 people, we fill the auditorium up, and now we have 35 people that actually care about Jesus, and we have 565 people, that's good math, 565 people in here that now are here to hear good preacher or good music, and there's no foundation to what we're doing. Listen, I would honestly rather be found faithful pastoring this many people than in 10 years have 40,000 that really don't know Jesus. And I honestly pray that that is your heart. I don't. I think it becomes so easy. Listen, and and this is kind of my second point, so I'll just go ahead and say it. The only mediator we have is Jesus, right? What that means is that the only thing we should chase, the only thing between us and, and God is Jesus. When we pray, that's why we pray in Jesus' name because we don't have the right to just pray to God. Does that make sense? like, We are not perfect. God is perfect. He's holy. We're unholy. And so in the Old Testament, they literally, I share this all the time, but um, in Aaron, if you read in Leviticus, what he had to do is when he would go into the Old Testament worship, he had to bring a blood sacrifice. He had to go into the physical temple. He had to walk behind the curtain. He basically had to walk through this cleansing process before he could meet with God. He couldn't just openly walk around and pray to God. He had to go to the temple. That's why Paul says, hey, now you're the temple. You have the right anywhere you are to pray to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. He knocked all the barriers down and now you can have communion with God through Jesus and what he did on the cross, okay? So what happens is, is I think God is here and we're here and we have a, a pure connection with God. We insert Everything the church gives, right? So what happens is, is your connection with God, just like the Old Testament, we think we've done away with it, but we haven't. We just created a new system. We now think that you have to have good music in the middle for you to feel connected to God. So then our worship at home is way different than our worship on Sunday mornings. Like, how dare us come on Sunday mornings and raise our hand and praise Jesus and not praise Jesus on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Or you hear people come to church and um, they, they speak in tongues at church, but they don't ever speak in tongues any other time. Obviously, or, or, or I say speaking in tongues, they, they, they show the gift of hospitality at church um, when they're around people. But when they get home, they don't know how to be hospitable to their neighbor that lives across the street from them, right? Now, what what my point is, is that we elevate things in the church, and what that shows is that we're really not doing it because of Jesus. We're doing it because we want people to see us doing it. Amen. And my prayer is that would not be it. Let me give you another example. Small group. So if, you don't, if, if you're not in a small group and... and, and I, my, my biggest prayer is that you would go to one because I think that's where you're going to really sit down and encounter God and be able to be in true community and talk with people. But what happens is is we take that same religious system to small group. So if you sit down in a small group of four to six people, you think, man, God can't move. It's just four or six people. And we get frustrated because our numbers are lower. We get frustrated. We think that we need big music or a lot of people for, for there to be excitement and for the Holy Spirit to move. No we should be just as thankful and just as excited about Jesus and with four or six people as we are 200. Now what happens is you get 18 people in a small group and the, the, the living room's full and the energy's high and you're like, man, small group was good tonight because there's just so many people. Well, really all it was is you were just chasing the feeling of uh, people and you're feeding off people, not the Holy Spirit and Jesus. It's the same exact thing. And so what I will say is, is we can take that religious system, that new religious system, and apply it anywhere in our life Or we can follow Jesus. And my hope is that we follow Jesus. That's why I I seriously pray, I I wonder if we're going through this so that we can learn to be grounded on Christ. And then we grow, and now growth takes off. We keep building on the foundation. We don't just build something high to appear good, right? There's an analogy um, I want to use, and we'll move on to the last point because I think it gets... Better, but it's this, is think about fireworks. Think about the, 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 the damage that fireworks do. So we go watch a firework show. Literally, what happens with fireworks? You shoot them in the air, and they're entertaining that one firework for probably less than a second, right? There's a big boom, and there's lights, and then there's no show for it. Like, literally, you go walk around where you watch, watch fireworks the next day, and you can barely even find, like, like residue on the ground from them. Now, think about this. What if you took that firework and you shot it into a rock and you created a dent that big? Just a little bitty dent, but it's just that big. Here's the deal. In a thousand years, you can come back and see the little dent in the rock, but you won't have any idea that the fireworks went off. Now, think about this as a church. Church. We can have a great service or a great preacher or I can tell better stories or make you laugh more and be entertaining and and use better analogies or or whatever and we can shoot more fireworks off with our good band and we can shoot fireworks off with clever t-shirts and we can do all these things as a church and at the end of the day, a hundred years from now, people are going to say, man, where's your residue of what happened in 2018? Or we can take the mission of God seriously. We can found ourselves on Christ and each of us just pour into one person and make a disciple and then that person makes a disciple and then this person top here moves on to another person and makes a disciple founded on Christ. And now you have two and then those two do the same thing and this person moves on to a third and what happens is the foundation of Christ spreads like wildfire and it's not dependent upon a church service or a pastor or even Connection Church. It's dependent upon Jesus. And that's my hope. Listen, you, I'm going to use this in our culture just because I think it's true, but you know that Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons retain people in their faith at a much higher percentage than Christians do? You know why? Because they take it serious at home. Think about it. You don't, you don't see them like go to school and not act like a Jehovah Witness, Right? If the school does something, my wife's a teacher, if the school does something and somebody's of a different belief, they remove themselves and don't partake in it. They don't uh, condemn them or tell them they're wrong. They just don't partake in it. And then they come back and join them and do what they can do. I I don't know if we're always like that with our Friday nights, right? We just join the world. Or I wonder if Instead of seeing the church as a place to come and corporately have brothers and sisters that worship Jesus with you, and instead of this being a celebration and an encouragement from the previous week, what happens is, is this now becomes me trying to fix you and motivate you for the week to come. What if we came in here and we had had awesome weeks pursuing Jesus and and discipling our families and and we just uh, revolve our lives around Jesus all week and we get in here. Think about how awesome worship is then. Like, Like you did the grunt work all during the week and now you get to come with your brothers and sisters and lift the name of Jesus with them and corporate worship actually means something. It's not just a good band. Or we get excited when... The fruit of our labor happens on Wednesday, not necessarily on Sunday. And we get to come here on Sunday and share it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, I've been praying for this person at work and praying for him and praying for him and sharing the gospel with them. And Wednesday night, they came to small group and they got saved. And then you get to bring them to church on Sunday and they get to join the body of Christ. And then they get to lift the name of Jesus with all of you. That's powerful. I mean... Sometimes I just wonder, what if we had to do church, the, 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 the very, very left side of our government takes over and they do away with institutionalized church, meaning you can't meet as any religious organization um, corporately or publicly, and we had to go meet in homes. Would we worship Jesus the same? And I don't, I don't say all this to to just keep hammering you and hammering you and hammering you and convicting you. I'm saying this because I honestly think when you encounter Jesus, it's a whole lot sweeter than a church service. Or when you truly follow Jesus, it's a whole lot better than a good preacher on Sunday. Or when you truly start following Jesus, it's a whole lot better than what you did on Friday night. And I think, as the church, we can become more of a hindrance than we can a uh, supplement to our people when we make this more about the band and the songs we choose and what the preacher says and how we do church than we do just merely following Jesus and loving Jesus, amen? Amen, this is my last point and we'll wrap it up. Is the only foundation we should build on is Christ. Let me run back through those so we can, um, the first one was we don't follow humans or churches, we follow Jesus Second one was the only mediator we have is Jesus, meaning there's nothing that should go there. I'm going to come back to that one now. But the only foundation we should build on is Christ. I drew a little diagram. I know there's no way y'all can see it, but I was thinking about my family and praying for my family. I'm going to use it to explain it to you guys. But, so we have Jesus up here. Say I come to church and I don't know that this is my heart. So we're all this is all subconsciously. I don't know if you know what that means. It means that you do it without really thinking about doing it. Okay. Um, I come to church because I like to be seen by people. I'm a people person, and I have to battle that. Um, I, I will oftentimes find my worth not in what being faithful to what Jesus has called me to do, but the size of the church or how good people said you preached or this and that and the other, right? I, don't, I think if any preacher says that they don't struggle with that, they're probably lying. Um, but say I come to church because I want to be seen by people. Um, these are all why we follow Jesus or why we come to church. Say that my son Cruz, he got saved through Connection Church, so now he's sold out to Connection Church. Whatever Connection does, I'm in, right? So, so he, the reason he follows Jesus is he really follows Connection Church. Well, say you have my wife, Rachel, and I thought this was funny, This is all hypothetical, by the way. Say she comes for the preacher, (laughs) right? (laughs) But say say she loves coming to church because she thinks the preacher's good, and he's real, and he tells good stories. Say my other son, Dax, he comes to church for the music, right? He can't understand me talking, but he likes some good music, so um, he comes there. When that happens, what I wrote down is... All of that can change. Uh, The church can get taken away. I can't get fulfillment by seeing people at church. Cruise, Connection Church is literally just a little dot. Let me tell you, Connection Church is not the end-all, be-all. Jesus is. Um, The pastor can be removed. I could be taken away. God could call me somewhere else. He could strike me down. I don't know. Um, But then Rachel has no reason to follow Jesus. The band can be taken. Um, we could just get out our hymn books and sing to Jesus, and honestly, he would be worshipped the same as a big band. Um, but then Dax would have nothing to come for. All of that stuff can change. And when we chase feelings to get connected to Christ, I think it leads to emptiness over and over and over. I really hope that you can understand that. And what I want you to do in the next couple minutes before we sing a song is I want you to ask yourself, why are you here? Seriously, I mean that. If you're here for people to see you, don't come and worship Jesus next week. I would rather you not come to Connection Church and worship Jesus than to come to Connection Church and fake it. I would honestly rather this church crumble and First Baptist across the street, boom, if our foundation is not built on Jesus. And I mean that. I'm telling you. Like, that, that's when my life changed. Like, y'all, who cares who your pastor is? Who cares? We're here for Jesus. And listen, if you say, well, I'm just part of Connection Church because I like the mission to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. That's not in the Bible either. What's in the Bible is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to prepare the heck out of a sermon so I can be prepared and, and have some some, some, di- some actual uh, density and some some meaning to what i'm talking about and the band's going to prepare because we believe that excellence glorifies god and yeah we're going to use a kick drum but if you mistake the kick drum for the holy spirit we've missed the point if we come in here with just a a guitar and some people singing in a choir one week i hope you don't get frustrated with our church because if you come to church based as a consumer right you come to church based on what we have you're going to leave based on what we don't have every single time we teach this in heart and soul if you if if you've been praying about your next step with our church and you haven't been through Heart and Soul, go to Heart and Soul. We just want you to join the mission of God. As, that's why we don't say join Connection Church. We just want you to join what the Bible says. That's what we teach. We, we teach that a lot of people come to church as a consumer because of what we give to you. And check this out. This is worse. Then they want to become a producer. And what happens is you get inside the church and you wear a blue t-shirt and an orange t-shirt. And I'm being honest with you, the real heroes are over there keeping our kids right now, pouring into the next generation. But what happens is, is you become a producer. The issue with being a producer is you get mad at consumers because you feel like they don't do anything. And you're like, hey, they they should get their lazy butts up and serve. That's how you feel. Well, the issue with that is, is that you've missed the point too, because now you've made it just as religious as the person who came for what we have. What we say we want you to move to is an owner in our church. And what that means is that you're kingdom-minded, meaning that we don't really care what church you go to. I do think that as a, a biblical person, you should be a part of a local church, whether that's Connection Church, whether that's the Pentecostal Church or the Church of God or the Baptist Church or the Presbyterian Church. Obviously, I have my own theology as to why we would differ, but if you're worshiping the name of Jesus and making disciples, that's what matters. And so my prayer is that you would move the circle. Listen, if you don't have a church home, of course I invite you. Join our mission to redeem the city with Jesus. Can we just be friends with the other churches? Like, who gives a hoot? We're worshiping Jesus. If they want to get mad at us for something we do or something that happened, still be nice to them because we disobeyed Jesus and he's still nice to us. Let's not talk bad about other churches. We're on the same team. And lastly, let's just take the word of God seriously. Let that be what reads you, right? Let the word of God be your mirror. If there's something in it that you're doing wrong, don't wait on the preacher to tell you or don't make the small group leader be nice and beat around the bush. Read it and apply it to your life, right? Because that's what happens. You go to small group and you were drunk on Friday night and the the, the small group leader's sitting there and he's like, well, what sins do y'all struggle with? And you're like, well, you know, I'm just mad at this coward. work. No, you're getting drunk, and the Bible says don't get drunk. Seriously. Like, let's just let the Word of God speak into our life. And if I don't ever preach the Word of God, then shut down the church. Seriously. And I know we can get as serious or as funny as we want about it. But my first question is, why are you here? And my second question is, If you're following Jesus, what are we going to do? I, don't, I, don't, I, I think there is so much sin in being a cup that literally just takes from Jesus and takes from the church and takes from Jesus and takes from Jesus and we don't ever spread it, right? I'm telling you, make disciples. If you want to grow yourself, you're like, Dustin, I'm stagnant. I'm not growing. Dustin, I'm stagnant. I'm not growing. Teach somebody else and you'll learn way more than just sitting down and reading your Bible. So when I started growing, I sat down and had to walk through people who were addicted to pornography. Um, I I had a guy in my small group who uh, was addicted to meth. I've had uh, guys in my small group that struggle with religion and just thinking that it was just all about um, going to church. And you start walking with them and trying to teach them what it really looks like to follow Jesus and bam, I'm growing. Like I'm praying for these people and my family cares about these people. And so... I don't know what your next step is, but don't ever get stagnant. Let's grow. Let's grow. I'm going to pray, and the band's going to go ahead and come out, and we're going to sing one last song, and um, we're going to sing what a beautiful name. And it's all about lifting the name of Jesus. And so I pray that you would worship here like you do at home. If you don't worship at home, I guess you can't worship here. But if you do worship at home, let's worship the heck out of Jesus, right? All right, let's pray, and we'll, they'll come out, and let's worship like we never have. God. we just love you and glorify your name Lord, above all else, above um, a person, above a pastor God, above a church name, above a saying God, we just want to glorify you with everything we are we empty ourselves God, we just glorify your name Lord, I pray that our people would uh, be forever growing and take their next steps God, not for our kingdom, not for our church, but for We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name.